This is Tales from the Quarantine. Okay, welcome to today's episode of uh, Tales from the Quarantine. Uh, my guest today is a, a friend of mine who I met in less than ideal conditions out in uh, out in New Brunswick, Trevor, and he's come a long way since then. Uh, why don't you tell them uh, a little bit about yourself? Hello, I'm Trevor here. Um, yeah, let's see. Like I met, obviously, I met Shot in the army there back in the day. And then after our tour there, we, our paths kind of split there. And, well, I, t- I, I chased the money out in Alberta and started working in the oil field. And, yeah, and here I am in another politically divisive occupation, hydraulic fracking. <laughs> and, uh, well, I guess no longer, thanks to the virus. <laughs> thanks for coming up. Yeah. Uh, I was in Walmart today because we ran out of, like, supplies to keep my kids entertained. And... Amazon, like the delivery schedule is not really reliable because it's the high number of people ordering through that service. So, no, yeah. And there's almost no other stores you can go to to go get like, like uh, crayons and markers and paper and food at the same time. Right. So, really? we went there. Well, that are still open. Like in Ontario, uh, a lot of places like, like Canadian Tire is pickup only, like curbside pickup. Um, huh. they've shut down a lot of places here. So that is interesting. Look, we do have the highest percentage of infections, so <laughs> it makes sense. Oh yeah, definitely like a good response to the virus. Like, you know, as, as it gets more serious, like I, 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 I fully understand it, but it is weird to think that like a one side of the country, like it's hard to even get like crayons. <laughs> yeah. Here, like, uh, like um, like I was just at Canadian Tire like a day ago, and um, it's kind of interesting because they got five gallon pails of hand sanitizer, and that's really the only way you can buy it right now is in bulk. Right, I wish I had that. We got dispensers. Uh, we we got these things like back before Christmas. Thank goodness that we we got them because like you can't find them anywhere. Every place is sold really? out over here. Yeah, well. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't th- like you'd think like the logistics, like supply chain, like it would apply a little bit more evenly across Canada. But I mean, most people don't realize how big Ontario is and like how inefficient it is to send a like a tractor trailer across it. Well, most of the trailers used to cut through the states to get from uh, yeah, get from out west to southern Ontario, and now they can't. So <laughs> there's that big problem. Yeah, like, um, like even when I go to the gas station, like, to, like, go buy pops or chips or when I fuel up or whatever, like, I go there and it's like, air miles, like, you need a lighter and you want hand sanitizer. Like, they have bottles there and they're pushing it. Yeah, I was reading a story of one of the gas stations around here. They, um, this guy went in and he, he uh, went to buy, uh, by gas, and he saw hand sanitizer, so he bought. He grabbed a bottle, thinking, "Okay, it's just going to be whatever it was," and it rung up uh, like seventeen dollars for like a just a regular old bo- bottle of hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. So he went in back. He went back in and confronted the guy, and the guy's like just fighting him on it, and it's just ridiculous, like that people are gouging, like price gouging that much for something that people need. Yeah, that's pretty sure that is illegal. 
to price gouged in a pandemic. I don't know if it's illegal nationwide, but I know in Ontario there's a uh, there's laws against it, and they can be fined pretty heavily. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, but they have to be reported. Yeah, like a, but there was a big scandal back with the uh, Calgary flood. Like, I don't know if you remember that, but like uh, Home Depot was price gouging everybody in the Calgary area for like rubber boots and water bottles and whatnot. And then like, um, well, Mark's Work Warehouse stood up, like, like took a stepped up and gave a lot of people free rubber boots and whatnot. But yeah, well, needless to say, you'll never catch me at a Home Depot now. I didn't even know Home Depot had rubber boots. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Like, um, they did. And what was what the other one that they gouged? Oh, yeah, those flats of water bottles was another one that they gouged here during the Calgary floods. So, well, yeah. And that's ridiculous. And that was a, that was a very localized emergency. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was... It was interesting to see how certain infrastructure failed when like the city of Calgary essentially went down. Like I live an hour north of it in Red Deer, and all of a sudden, just one day, all the ATMs went down because, like, I guess the network has run out of Calgary. Well, there's probably a single fiber line running between uh, Calgary and Edmonton, right? Yeah, and it. Well, Red Deer is like pretty well smack dab in the middle, so it obviously feeds Red Deer as well. Oh yeah, it was just quite the shot. So that, that probably got cut. <laughs> it was just a. Uh, it just kind of opens your eyes to the vulnerability of society, I guess. Well, we're uh, we live. We're at the mercy of our technology in today's world. Like a hundred years ago, if this pandemic happened, and it pretty well did, like the Spanish flu is. Uh, this but much worse because of the well the lack of uh, science behind yeah. it but um they they were able to like it was just a different way of society working like you didn't have a lot of the people protesting that uh we have a right to be out and this is fake and this is blah like i'm sure that existed obviously it, it will always exist yeah. that's just human nature but like you have people just they everyone wore masks, everyone isolated. And then at the end of World War One, when everyone went out to celebrate, the the that pandemic just exploded uh many times what it was before mm-hmm. the end of nineteen eighteen. Oh definitely. But I mean yeah, just having just that is one of the problems of being this interconnected is like people like like-minded people that don't necessarily jump to the right conclusions like it it can spread just as easily as the right idea or like the safe idea like just what most people would consider to be <laughs> to be the right way to tackle this issue and then there's people protesting and gathering like in the US specifically like they're protesting and it's crazy yeah, like I've seen a picture, and it was uh, that was juxtaposed with a picture from uh, Shaun of the Dead, of like these protesters pushed up against the window, and they're protesting like the social distancing orders, the shutdown orders, the stay-at-home orders, basically everything that, if you thought about it, made sense, especially given how bad the situation is in the United States right now. Yeah, but they're protesting it, and it's it's horrible, and 
then there's another protest where these people were blocking. I don't know if they did it on purpose or if it was just by accident. They blocked the entrance is to the to a major hospital. Oh yeah, in I believe Michigan. And one of the people that worked at the hospital, I don't know if he was a nurse or if he was a janitorial staff or administration, but he has to go to work and he couldn't get to work, which means the people at work couldn't leave. <laughs> so like, common sense really needs to prevail here. And that's just, it's just lacking a lot of these places. And I will say though, that a lot of people are taking it seriously. And a lot of people are uh, finding that, this is probably the the defining factor of probably the 20th century. So that's what, sorry, 21st century so far. <laughs> and we've had a lot of defining moments in the last 20 years, but I think this is probably going to be the biggest defining moment um, for our society and uh, oh, to see which way we go. Definitely. Nine <laughs> eleven was a big one and society went one way after that. It's going to be interesting to see how society goes after this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, is, um, I am very interested. I, um, like, I've always paid attention to, uh, like the markets and whatnot, like on the specific, like, the, like, uh, the stock markets and the crypto markets. And, like, I kind of saw, like, I've been looking at the markets for so long. Like I, I don't usually like. Uh, obviously, I still work, so I don't make that much money. But uh, like to watch the markets just climb and climb for nine years straight, like with no, no um, corrections, no dips, just essentially straight up for nine years. That never happens, and just it, it's just crazy. Like how much of a downside we can potentially see, and it's like wow, this is. This this could be like the greatest transfer of wealth that our generation will ever see. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of talk of, about this being worse worse than the 2008 um, recession, and I've even read some people talking about it, that it could be on par with the uh, 1929 uh, 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 start of the great depression. Oh, I'd... and if that, because I 30 some odd million people filed for, uh, employment insurance in the United States. Mm-hmm. And in Canada, we have over 6 million people applying for that, uh, uh, benefit that isn't employment insurance. Yeah. The CERB. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, if things don't change, that's unsustainable, and it's gonna get well, much. I mean, much worse. But eh, like the way the way we're just printing money right now, like money money is just flooding the markets from the central banks, and it's like, well, at this point, it could be sustainable for a little bit, but then our dollar would be just so watered down. We 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 we're basically going full Zimbabwe. <laughs> yeah, but on a global scale, it's not just us doing it. Like America's doing it, Britain's doing it, pretty much all of Europe's doing it, um, and China's been doing it for well a long long time. They've been doing it. <laughs> yeah, they have. 
and now Russia's seeing a big uptick in uh, infections over there that it's it could become very serious for them as well. Yeah. Which it most likely will. And yeah, it's just it's it's something to be like kind of look at and you're like how? Yeah. Like, like it, it's like well if you guys were able to print money this whole time why 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 was I even why 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 were you even charging me taxes this whole time? <laughs> yeah, this is this is probably like the greatest um, test of her, the global economics uh, makeup, the system. Yeah. Whether or not it actually works or if it's just some figment of our imagination that we've all decided to agree on exists. Well, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that statement that this system is broken and we just are in denial. I mean, there are ways to like fix our system, but like it's a, it like, I don't, I don't think a lot of people will like what we have to do. (laughs) It's probably a lot of, um, probably a, a, a rough transition that's for sure yeah and there's too many there's too many people that just not trusting of anybody in a position of of authority be it um the a public health official who's saying like this is a really bad situation stay home just if you can help it don't leave your house unless you have to get groceries no and yeah you're seeing memes of this online which is kind of funny but it's It'd be funnier if it wasn't true. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really hard to um, to understand how people can just deny the threat that we are facing, like as a as a planet, really. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, like um, they, uh, like I I feel like it is like the American way to not trust government. It's like it's. It like that that whole they're never gonna come and take my guns kind of mentality. Like, don't get me wrong, I I I like guns, I like shooting them, and I enjoy it. But like, I've never like been like, oh, the government's coming at my door, they better not come take my gun. Like, I I don't see where this rationale is coming from. They have much bigger fish to fry than than that. Well, yeah, even if they wanted to come take your guns, it wouldn't really be that difficult for them to do that. Like, they have bigger, more powerful guns and they're organized, and you're with maybe a handful of disorganized people who have no training. But that's uh, that's a discussion for something completely different. But yeah, um, just looking at like I, I went on to uh, worldometers.info, which is usually where I get most of my uh, numbers information for this. Yeah. And just comparing like one month ago on uh, March 15th or March 16th, sorry, March 16th, there was a total of 182,431 confirmed cases in the world. Um, and now there's uh 2,181,308. That's what we know of <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> yeah. I go on the rule of thumb. You double it um, for asymptomatic cases. So there's four, over 4 million people most likely infected, probably a, a lot more than that, but it's a ballpark number that I've, uh, I've been running with. But if you look at the deaths, uh, one month ago on March uh, 16th, there were 7,162 deaths in the world. 
Today, there's 145,470. <laughs> so, it, yeah, it hasn't exponentially increased over over one month so I'm quite concerning and somehow people can still justify denying this threat well you look at the start of the, the month on April there's 47,000 deaths a shit ton increase since uh, March uh, 15th but it has increased by 100,000 deaths in 16 days and people are still, they're denying that this is an issue and that the flu kills more people. Or, and I can't, I can't think like that argument is so selfish. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know if it'd be selfish. Maybe in some way it's like a denial thing. They don't want to accept it. It's maybe a portion of that denier population might just be denying as kind of a defensive mechanism, if you will. They, they, they don't want to accept what is in front of us, what is before us here. And then yeah. there's a huge portion that is just flat out wrong <laughs> and, and stupid, really. But Well, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a movement um, of believers, and it's uh, believing that uh, 5G... Uh, the replacement for 4G LTE, a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. The 5G uh, cell networks is causing this. <laughs> and like, I used to work with radio equipment. I used to set up antennas and all that fun stuff. Um, it it's not like that. The frequencies that those are operating on aren't even close. They're they're just slightly different than what our current cell signals are, mm. but not. Like they're they're within the same general spectrum of everything that's out there. It's just more efficient. <laughs> yeah, but now we see cell phone towers being blown up. It's like, holy, somebody's paranoid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I just don't get that. Like, Well, I'd be quite uh, upset right now if I turned around and my local cell phone tower that covered my house was on fire and fell over. I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty miffed, actually. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we, we live in a relatively rural country, uh, except, except for like a, a dozen or so cities. Yeah. Um, most of the, most people live in a couple hundred thousand or less. And I grew up in the middle of, uh, the, I grew up in the boonies pretty much. And, uh, a town that just recently gained, uh, internet, uh, national attention, uh, Bob Cajun, uh, for their, uh, COVID outbreak there. Oh yeah. And yeah, there's not many cell towers out there. <laughs> so if they just vanished, that's a huge coverage area, which is not going to get any EMS support. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, don't burn down cell phone towers. Yeah, that'd be just... quite annoying. Please. <laughs> <laughs> right now, like I said, I'm on that that uh, Serb. Right now, I I think I really screwed up here. So with getting on the Serb, because uh, there was a it's not taxed up front. No, no, it wasn't even. It's not even that. It's uh. Like my employer, they like my employer is awesome. I have nothing like I love them to death. They they're an awesome company, but we're just getting put in a really sticky situation because not only with the COVID, but it's a hydraulic fracturing company because that's what I do, and we also took the like the double whammy from the Saudi Russian oil war. So yeah, which on the price side doesn't cost much to fill up a gas tank, but there's no place to go. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How how is how is uh well, like how is this affected your 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 work really? Oh, it uh it's come to essentially a standstill. Like um my company had like we were the third largest hydraulic fracturing company in Canada and we had eight spreads. And each spread employs like it roughly takes let's see, there's a day shift and a night shift and you need probably like 15 to 20 guys to run a shift. So call it 40 guys to run it, run the equipment and call it another 20 sand haulers just to haul sand day and night to the site. And we had eight of those. And we have like, they tried to keep us like going. And then when um, the oil price just tanked because we were already selling oil at a discount so you see Brent crude trading at twenty dollars. Well, we're selling Canadian oil at at um, four or five dollars. <laughs> so it just doesn't make any sense to continue. And um, so they went down from eight crews to um, just barely one crew. So there, we went from probably about fifteen hundred employees to about fifty. Uh, that's quite a drop. Yeah, and it was all at once, and and um, like it was a little hectic. And they called me. Well, we I came back to Red Deer for my days off on the March twenty seventh, and then April third, they told me like I had six days off, and then when they were over, they told me to just stay at home, and um, we have to figure th- some things out three days later, or. Yeah, about two, three days later. It was April 3rd when I got the phone call saying, sorry, Trevor, we're going to have to lay you off, like pretty much the majority of everybody else in the company. And um, what the plan right now is, is we go on CERB, and my company keeps our benefits going for the four months. So we still get our benefits, Mm -hmm. but we just collect CERB. Now, what I didn't realize is... um, they had like I completely forgot about the two weeks notice thing. So um, what ended up happening is I like as soon as I got the layout, like told I was laid off, I applied for CERB. So I'm like, oh geez, this is gonna this is, like CERB is going to be a mess. It's gonna take probably weeks, maybe a month to get it. So I jumped at it as soon as it was Tuesday because Tuesday I can re- like sign up for it. I applied for it. And then later on, I was checking, like, for looking for my ROE, emailed HR, and they're like, no, 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 like, um, we still have to pay you for two weeks in lieu of notice. So now it's turned into, I just got paid my $2,000 CERB for the month. And then tomorrow, I'm actually getting paid by my employer. And then I'm also getting another paycheck on May 1st. I'm like, oh, geez. And that really screwed that up so i'm probably gonna have to I'm, I, I just put that to the side and i'm probably just gonna have to pay that when i file taxes next year it's like dang <laughs> but i mean kudos to the government yeah. for paying like that quick i thought it would be quite the delay yeah no i'm, I'm actually really surprised at that because i know people um who who applied and then like three days later it was in their bank account yeah um that there's been some glitches like the people getting an ei payment and a serb payment yeah by mistake um but yeah it's just i think it's it's gonna help people 
but I don't think this is going to be over by the time that's done. No, no. I think this is going to be carrying on probably well into summer. And that's, and that's where we're going to see a lot of people, how their patient size, because staying cooped up inside is uh, not the Canadian thing to do in the summertime. <laughs> no, it's, um, it is going to be interesting to see how tempers flare and, um, how this goes down but i mean like it's 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 hard to like nobody knows nobody knows how it's going to go down like everybody like that is the trillion dollar question at this point how like how can we best manage this and like every country is a little bit different but i mean in general like you look at the developed nations pretty much every country is giving away or not giving away but like paying their like unemployed about two grand a month for a set period of time. And then you look at the U S and all they got is the $1,200 stimulus check and, and yeah, they get unemployment and add on the cares act like benefits. And it, 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 it's not enough. You want to know like, um, like I started getting into uh, the cryptocurrency when I started when the, back in um, like I got in hard in September actually because uh, the New York Federal Reserve started uh, conducting these operations at night. You can Google it. It's called uh, the overnight repossession operation, and every single night they were pumping billions of dollars into the banks through the back door. And in my opinion, overnight repo operations is another fancy word for a quantitative easing, which, I mean, you were around for 2008, right? <laughs> yeah, that was a fun uh, fun couple of, uh, well, a couple of years thereafter. Yeah, but it, draw, it, it brought us together, remember? we met. That's when we met in 2009, eh? <laughs> yeah, out in... Uh, Gagetown. One of the, the funnest places on Earth. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then, but yeah, the, uh, there was the overnight repossession opera repo operations that the banks conducted to like, like have liquidity. And then we come into this crisis, like, like it's, it's just insane to think that they printed that much money, like prior to the event. Now going into the event, they printed $2 trillion for, the everyday consumers and businesses and they have another four trillion on standby for the major financial institutions there is a there is one way i could see us solving this financial crunch (coughs) excuse me there is there is a lot of locked up money that no bank like banks all these banks have locked up and they're called uh, nostril vostro accounts, and there's estimated mm. between fifteen to fifteen to twenty-one trillion dollars locked up in these accounts. And what these accounts are used for is for uh, international settlements, because like the way banks operate, like they they don't look, the, as much as they like to think that they are innovative, the plumbing that they send money is just so archaic and so old it's 40 years old you you hear it in the states right now but that with like the federal government complaining that these states uh 
the state's financial infrastructure is 40 years old. Well, it, it's the same thing with the banks too. Like it's, it's just crazy how like it is quicker for a bank to put a guy on a plane with a suitcase and fly him to the UK with a, with the briefcase, as opposed to wiring money over. Like it takes about, it takes five to 10 days for a settlement to clear. We don't see it as consumers because, um, they are credited, but for for the banks to actually clear those payments is five to ten days, and with currencies fluctuating, they are exposed to insane amount of volatility. Like, imagine a Mexican bank yeah. trying to send it to like a like a Thai bank. Like those like currencies sway up and down, and being exposed to five to ten days of currency volatility is insane. Just to send money, and that's gonna drastically increase as uh well as banks keep printing well yeah printing money and uh this crisis continues well i mean <laughs> what i what i could see happening is uh like right now like the u.s dollar should stay strong for a while because all these other smaller nations are printing money not necessarily at the same rate but they 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 like a lot of people are looking at it looking at this saying, oh my God, we're printing out so much money. We're going to devalue our currency. Like I'm looking at this as a Canadian saying the Canadian dollar is going to crater. I should run to the U S dollar because the U S dollar is a bigger economy. Therefore it's stronger. So I could see in the short term, like a lot of other smaller currencies dropping drastically, but the U S dollar staying strong. But eventually mm -hmm. that $2 trillion plus the pre event money that was that was snuck into the uh the system and the four trillion dollars that's that's coming up soon that like that that will water down the u.s dollar <laughs> and a lot of people will hurt yeah and like what's going on in europe as well that's gonna water down the euro yeah. Uh, lack of uh, economic movement there. The the pound sterling is going to go down. Like everything's going to go down because of this. And I don't foresee a single currency going up. No. Uh, I'm not an economic. I'm not an economist or anything. <laughs> this isn't my uh, expertise, but just basic knowledge of how you know if you can't work, your economy starts to slow down. But um, but and if you print money, you know what it the, devalues the money. You know, what's really funny about <laughs> Europe is like any any smaller nation that wanted to join the EU had to maintain a sixty percent debt to GDP ratio, and then you turn around and look at what the UK, Greece, Spain, Germany, France, like they're they're like some of them are in the eighties, like. Greece is at 180%, and um, the UK is not too far behind. I think they're hovering... Well, it's hard to get a debt-to-GDP ratio out of the UK past 2018. So we don't... Like, it, it, like you see so many different accounts. Some people say it's only 9%. Some people say, like, say it's 140%. But I mean, and when I say people, these are accredited like um, journalists. And organizations so and to have such a different and variance in number is like well what's really going on here with the uk's debt to gdp ratio yeah but yeah i don't know um yeah the only thing i could say is like 
precious metals. Like everybody sees gold as a safe haven, but um, gold has been oversold for so long. Like um, for every ounce of gold, like it's been sold via paper like 50 times over. There's a lot better uh, precious metals out there to get these days. Oh, yeah. I hear copper's pretty good. I hear uh, <laughs> I hear if you want a good precious metal, copper. Yeah, I mean, copper like should have a good spike because it does have the antimicrobial properties, right? So, I mean, there will be a demand for it in the near future, right? Uh, like it, it, like so does silver. Silver has a much higher, like, is much more effective as an antimicrobial. But like, if you put a if you put have a silver doorknob, it's it, it's gonna get stolen. <laughs> yeah, you gotta hide that. Make it look like stainless. Yeah. <laughs> but then I don't think it'll work. Uh, yeah, it'll probably lose all its antimicrobial properties if you coat it with, <laughs> with something that makes it not look silver. But um, actually, here's another cool fact about this economic crash here: um, the gold to silver ratio, like price ratio. Like, that is one of the oldest economic indicators that we have as humans. Yeah. We know what the price of gold was to the price of silver all the way back to the ancient Egyptians. Like, the ancient Egyptians, like, had it written down what, a price of, what the price of silver was compared to the price of gold. And no time in the 5,000 years that we have been recording that price ratio has this ratio been this far off by a long shot like mm-hmm. like when you said that this is this financial crisis is like could be as bad as 1929 it's like like i i i feel like this like like yes the government like the economic shutdowns like that 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 will um hurt the economy badly but we were already limping into this event we we were we were already so close to collapsing, like it, it, like we were on the brink. Like the amount of overnight repos- repo operations that the banks did prior to the coronavirus, it, it almost totals what the 2008 bailout was already. Yeah, <laughs> and we're it's it's mind boggling. Like just to think about how much this could hurt the economy, um, but like ever, there's a, I've been hearing a lot of talk about if we keep the economy shut down, like it's going to be so bad. But when you think about it, if we open it up, just assume that nothing's happened, or just keep old people isolated, it's going to still be just as bad because there's hospitals are going to be overwhelmed, right? And all like it's and all this effort that we've done so far, all this social distancing and staying at home, it would be for nothing. Yeah, like companies are getting pissed off that like they're losing money, they can't operate, they can't function, and they can't generate revenue. But it's like, well, if you, if we just let you start up tomorrow and started like, and and started whatever business you run that isn't necessarily essential, like you're going to lose again. Like we're gonna go right back to square one, if not worse, most likely worse actually. <laughs> now that there's been more, more, more confirmed infections, like now, now is really not the most opportune time to open up the economy. Yeah, like it's gonna be a rehash of the uh, Spanish flu, where the second wave was way worse than the first. Yeah, 
And uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be bad. Um, but it's we have to weather the storm mm-hmm. and we have to make that the sacrifices we've made as uh, as a world the past month we have to make is, it count is, we we can't just say oh let's just try this because blah like it's bad now but we can't make it worse by not doing anything to stop it right and yeah and Right. Like, it makes me wonder how many people have to die, how many people have to get sick before all these deniers will be like, okay, we need to do something. Why didn't you guys do anything? Why didn't the government protect us? <laughs> well, it's not, it's not a number game for a lot of those people. It's personal. It has to be personal. They have to physically know somebody or they have to go through this illness hmm. to understand the ser- seriousness of it. Because like you can tell them uh, day in and day out, you can show them videos, sh- show them statistics, but they're not going to believe it until they experience it or they know somebody who has passed away because of this or if they come close to passing away because of it. And that's unfortunate. That's a- the only way a lot of these people are going to see how foolish they've been. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. And like, Anybody that works in healthcare, like, must be so frustrated with seeing all these people, like, so sick in front of them, and then just to see on the news and just go outside in some cities and see deniers. It's like, how about instead of complaining that you are unemployed and just protesting, why not volunteer and see for yourself how bad it can be? Yeah. I think on that we're going to end it. Okay. Follow your local uh, health authorities. Okay. Stay home. Stay healthy.